Welcome back to 40 Love. It is our fifth episode. We were off last week, but we are back to discuss the Australian Open Finals and everything that has happened since. As always, I am Jonathan Strom, joined by the great Andrew Stewart. Andrew, how are you? I'm very well. Good afternoon to everyone. Well, who knows when people are listening to this, Andrew, right? Could be in the evening, could be in the middle of the night. Well, we have many fans worldwide, so yes, anytime, anywhere. All right, and what has been going on in your life the last couple of weeks, Andrew, that you have to report on? The viewer, the listeners want to know. Uh, well, we haven't been on since uh, the Aussie Open. We have the men's finals and the women's finals champions to discuss what did you think of the tournament? Novak Djokovic is the winner on the men's side. What did you have to say about that? Well, I guess we'll start with the men then. And Novak Djokovic, he does it again. Five-set win over Dominic Team. We talked about it on the last podcast. What a huge favorite he was. And he pulled through. He beat Federer in straight sets in the semis. He beat Ranich the round before. And now he had a lot more trouble with Team than I thought. But... That's the that's the difference. It's right in front of our eyes, Andrew. Best three out of five sets. And everyone's looking for, why are the big three not winning? What's the difference? And it's right there in front of us. The best three out of five sets. These guys can beat them two out of three. But these guys are just champions. And in the three out of five, they find a way to win. And Djokovic did that again. That's a 17th Grand Slam. He's getting closer to Federer's 20. Nadal's 19. And eight Australian Opens. He dominates this tournament. 32 years old, he still has, you know, lots of time to um, surpass those guys. Why do you think Team gave him trouble? Well, I think Team is a really good player. I think that's the main thing. He's number four in the world for a reason. What he's able to do is stand at the back of the baseline and hit the ball with a ton of topspin, kind of similarly to Ralph Nadal. Of course, Nadal's a lefty, which gives him a bit of an advantage. Yeah. But team plays a similar game. He stands way behind. He gets to everything. And he can really hit the ball with a lot of power and spin. And that combination is a deadly combination. Of course, to beat Djokovic, you have to be on for three sets. And that's really difficult because Djokovic is a tremendous defender. And if you leave the ball short in the court, he's going to make you pay because he can also attack. So team is getting there. You no, know, I, I don't think he's, that Djokovic is so far ahead of team after this match. And team beat him at the French Open last year. But don't you think it's difficult on these uh, new guys, these young guys, their psyche? Because like you said, three sets. You have to be on top of him for three sets. So team goes up 2-1. You can say, hey, I got the... And normally, normal players, different players, you can say, think, start to think that I have the advantage now and they're going to fold. But with Novak, you're in for a five-setter. No, it doesn't matter if you go up two, uh, if you're tied, if he looks injured like he did in this tournament here uh, in the final, in the championship match. I think a doctor came out to visit him. Um, you're going five, five sets. But he's a him. champion, right? And we've talked. You've talked about it to me about the Raptors. How they, you know, they have that championship mentality. And True. the first one is the toughest one. Djokovic has done this. He like it's you know he can do it in his sleep win majors he knows how to win majors and team is twenty six he's been doing it for a long time and I think the first one's going to be the toughest it's unfortunate because he like so many players over the last fifteen years if it weren't for Nadal he would be a multi time French Open champion right yeah. now yeah. You know, David Ferrer before him and Guillermo Coria before him these guys just ran into Nadal at the French Open and Federer even would probably have three or four if it weren't for Nadal so. 
the fact that his best surface, there's someone who's better than him on that, makes it tough. He's had to, took him a long time to get good on hard courts. And now at 26, he's finally here. But now you run into Djokovic. Yeah, well, uh, he would have been the first man. If he had won, he would have been the first man born in the 90s to win a major singles title. But alas, that will not happen. Such an amazing stat that you bring up. Yes. But these young guys. I don't, I, to me, I don't see. Someone's going to do it. But when someone's going to well, do it, it when, the time, when the one of the three nearly doesn't count, someone's going to do it when these three or two leave uh, tennis. I don't see anybody because if you don't have Novak, you're going to go up against Federer, and if you don't get Federer, you're going to go up against Nadal. So these guys sitting behind them, like you said, team is number four. But it's four. easier because now team because it used to be the young players had to deal with Songa and Burdich and Ferrer. Before they even got there, and they would lose those matches, and then you ended up with, you know, Federer crushing Burdich in the quarterfinals or Ferrer. And now these guys are getting there, and there's opportunity. He made the finals. Opportunity he to get Nadal. to a final. It's like well, you're either you're either pregnant or you're not. Right? There's only one winner. So if these very, guys, we've never seen someone really get this close. The last two majors, Medvedev nearly beat Nadal. Nearly again. We're fifth. talking almost. Same thing here. Almost or coulda. It, it doesn't matter. Well, I think you're, eventually it's going to happen. Whether right. they retire, that's the right. reason why or not, right. it's going to happen. It's so not going to be as a result of It could be as soon as this 2020 season, could it not? Well, that's a bold prediction. We'll see if it comes It's through. not a prediction. I think it's a possibility when you look at the way Medvedev played at the U.S. Open and team at the who Australian won? Open. Who won the U.S. Open? I can't argue with who won the U.S. Open or the right? Australian you're, Open. You're talking in the coulda, shoulda, woulda. Well, we've seen it. You know, Mar- Marin Cilic won the 2014 U.S. Open. We've had one-offs. You know, Stan, Stan Wawrinka. Yeah, three. exactly. I, so it's He's possible. Someone is going to come up and do it. I and, and believe win that. one tournament, win a grand And sl- maybe one that one win slam. will spur them on. Uh, I mean, wishful, Stan Wawrinka did thinking, win three. Buddy, Jonathan, wishful thinking. I okay. appreciate well, it. Eventually, well... I think we should talk about Federer a little bit because after our last podcast, he won a insane match. He saved seven match points against Tennis Sandgren. He looked extraordinarily vulnerable in that match. Mm-hmm. He then was beat soundly by Djokovic. I thought even though he made the semifinals that Federer looked vulnerable. And mm-hmm. I think he's beatable. Sandgren undoubtedly should have beat him anytime you have seven match points. So was that one less player for these young guys? To maybe worry about as much, and he almost lost to Millman earlier in the tournament. Federer. I again, I think it it goes back to Djokovic could have one of those tournaments where he struggles to get through, goes through a lot of sets, has has a tough service, a few tough service games, or it could be Nadal go, deals with some injuries, and uh, Federer is the one that these guys meet at the end. Uh, this particular tournament, Federer came in. He fought his way through, and I think <laughs> this we have to talk about. At his age, he needs to have smooth sailing, cruise through to a final, and have all his energy saved up for the inevitable tough final against you know, uh, Nadal or, or Djokovic. Uh, he can't have these semis and these quarters where he's just cl- scratching and clawing to, to get through. Of course, I th- but you know, I will say that I... I don't see Federer winning another major for the rest of his career. Oh, wow. If he's going to win one, it's going to be at Wimbledon because... Hopefully Federer's mother isn't listening. Well, he's 120. He's 
The fact that he's in the semifinals at 38 years old is an incredible accomplishment no matter how he gets there. We know he's great, but he to challenge Djokovic and Nadal, you ha- everything has to go right, mm-hmm. and it's going to be very difficult. And I think as he loses these matches or as he gets tested, the perception is going to change a little bit that he's beatable for some of these guys coming up. So did More you kn- so than Nadal and Djokovic, I think the young players are going to say, like, we, this is our time, we can beat him. Tennis Sandgren nearly beat him, and he looks physically compromised at the last two majors. So do you, you not think that um, Roger is capable of handling himself in any tournament going forward or just the Grand Slam. Well, the best three to five makes it really tough, the seven matches. That is tough on your body at his age. And I think Wimbledon, he had two championship points on his serve against Djokovic last year, and that is going to haunt him because that match would have given him 21. It would have kept Djokovic down at 16. He would have been five ahead. Now he's only three ahead. So I just there's something about that match that makes me believe that it's just going to be tough for him. I think Wimbledon this year has a chance, but at what point? At some point, your play is going to drop yep, off. At some point, it just the wheels fall off. And yep. it's not going to be like I don't think it's going to be like you know he goes to the Wimbledon and loses in the first round and then goes. He's going to be gradual. And I think last tournament he was injured. This tournament he's struggling with injury. It's just tough when you've done it so many times to keep doing it. So he's making the semifinals. He should you know that's close to winning, but it feels pretty far the way he got there this tournament. Maybe at Wimbledon he dominates the first five rounds and he can really give Djokovic or Nadal a good match. Or maybe those guys get upset and the draw opens up for him. But Do you think Federer should retire? Well, no, I don't because he just made the semifinals of a Grand Slam. Yeah, but at, like you said, at some point the wheels fall off. So would you rather them fall off and he is losing in the first round? Or do you rather well, say, hey, gonna, I made it yeah. to a semi semifinal, and I don't think I can do it. That takes a lot of force. Well, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where he's losing like in the first round to right. anyone. I just think as long as he's playing, he is going to be able to beat a number of players. And once he gets to the point where if you're not going to be competitive with the top guys, I think that for him is the first kind of sign that and you're only gonna be playing the top guys in the later rounds when you're gonna be more tired and that makes it even more difficult but maybe Djokovic gets upset by Raonic and then Federer makes the finals and he's playing team like it's like these things can happen and I think he as long as he believes he can win a major and I think at this point there's no reason for him not to believe that maybe I think differently but for him in his perspective he should believe you have so a, you should keep playing. You have a lot of belief in the next tier, the second tier of player. I don't I, have a lot of belief, actually. The big three have won 13 consecutive Grand Slams. Am I correct? I don't, I don't see anybody else coming to challenge them um, in terms of titles. I see people coming to challenge them and make it difficult along their path to a championship but i don't see this next wave of player that like we said you mentioned federer is not going to lose in the first you don't see him losing in the first round of a major tournament i mean it's just a matter of, well i i mean whether it's medvedev or tsitsi passers verev or shapoval or oje aliasim or yannick sinner there are a lot of young players out there what none of them are going to become 20 times none of them are the next federer right but you would expect that someone could win multiple Grand Slams. And we've seen Stan Wawrinka do it. He did it a lot older. He was a veteran. I'd like to see a young player be able to do that. But it's definitely 
like it's going to happen, I believe. I don't think if Djokovic will be around for a number of years, but he's not going to win the next 20 Grand Slams. So eventually, with Federer and Nadal slowly dropping off in form or retiring eventually, there are going to be Grand Slams available to win because Djokovic will not win the next 20 Grand Slams. How old is Nadal? He's 33 right now and a half. Oh, so but he's right there with uh, Djokovic. He Djokovic is. is I mean, the, the thought has always been there's more mileage on his body compared yes. to yeah. to the other guys, but that hasn't proven true. I mean, he keeps he so just won the U.S. Open. So who? Know, how do we know? We don't know. Do you see Nadal playing until he's 38? As long as Nadal is winning the French Open every year, yes, I see him <laughs> playing. So I'll have to wait and see if he loses the French Open multiple years in a row, which I don't think he's ever done. Right. Maybe once he did, but he had to retire yeah, for one. Injury. So. I just think, like, why stop? And he's got he's going to pass Federer with two more Grand Slams, and that seems pretty attainable, especially because he's going to be a huge favorite at the French Open this year. There's no reason for him not yeah, to be. as with every year. Okay, let's talk about the women quickly, and we had a first-time champ, first-time Grand Slam champ. And, Andrew, on our first podcast, you said she was a player to watch. That was a brilliant prediction. <laughs> Sophia Kennan. 21-year-old American Sophia Kennan. Uh, went to the wire and won the Australian Open. Good for her. Yeah, and her opponent, Garbine Muguruza, she was struggling with injury a little bit, and Kennan just took advantage, and she has an amazing fighting spirit and competitiveness, and she doesn't hit the biggest shots, but she will. you have to beat her. She will not beat herself, and she had some really tough matches. Of course, she beat Goff earlier in the tournament. That was a tough one, and then to beat Muguruza, she beat Ash Barty also, number That's what one. I was bring. Do you think she won the tournament after she beat Barty? Because Barty came in playing so well, was the, the the her home tournament, the fan favorite. No, I think Mugur- I thought Muguruza was going to win that match. I thought she was the favorite. She's done it before. She's won two Grand Slams. She's been world number one. She was beating players left and right. She beat Halep, which is a really impressive win on her own right in the semis. So for Kennan, it's just a question of, is this a one-off? Is she built for it? It's very tough in the women's game. There have been so many Grand Slam champions over the last 10 years, unlike the men's game, to really have any idea it, what it'll mean. We've seen a lot of players drop off kind of after winning. Get their win and then sort of disappear. But I do think Kennan does have that kind of makeup that... Well, we'll see. I'll, I thought a lot of players had that makeup. I mean, yeah. we're definitely seeing Naomi Osaka struggle right but, now. Is it... Uh, so... This is different than our men's discussion. I think the women's pool is so talented that Osaka can win a Grand Slam, and then the next tournament she can get beat by a Cannon, and Cannon can win a Grand Slam, and then Serena. Well, we'll get into Serena later, I assume. Um, there's so many women that are quality tennis players that on any given day somebody could beat somebody else. Absolutely. There's a lot of really good players on the women's side, and that's what makes it so tough. But you like, I mean, with Osaka at this tournament, we talked about it earlier. She played really poorly against Goth. She just doesn't look like she's ready to win a Grand Slam again right now. So that's kind of what I'm but, talking about. She's ranked uh, 10 in the world, so she's dropped. But that consistency inside the top 10, like Simona Halep has it. She's been there for like the last yeah. four or five years. So can Kennan be a top 10 player perennially or... Yelena Ostapenko won the French Open two years ago, and now she dropped out of the top 50, like a year later. So I think Kennan's game style will allow her, because she's pretty solid and she's also very feisty, to 
be a perennial top 10 player. The problem is there's more than top 10, more than 10 players that could be in the top 10 at any given time. Is there one part of her game that overwhelms you that you look at and say, wow, she is amazing at that? I don't think so. That's kind of what's unique about her. She doesn't hit the ball harder than anyone. She's very solid. She's a great backhand. Um, she's improved a lot of her game, but I just think it's that competitiveness and that will to win every point. And not, during the match against Muguruza, I mean, she's winning points and she's you know screaming at herself. She just has like a great desire right now, yeah. sometimes with more fame and publicity and media that kind of goes away. We've seen, and in America, she's really not even a big story, which I think helps her or has helped her in the past because it's always the focus is on Serena mm-hmm. or on Coco Goff or on Stevens or Madison Keys. Like there's a lot of American players and now she's the uh, number one American in the world, even ahead of Serena. So that's a big deal. And it's going to get a lot more focus on her. It'll be interesting to see the way women's tennis has gone lately. I tend to believe that we're not going to see her like win another major this year, but maybe she'll prove me wrong. Yep. She's been overlooked. Like you said, I, I hope she can handle it. Um, with that sort of, fame um comes a lot of pressure um but i I look forward to seeing what she can bring okay and let's talk about uh some of canada's news in tennis because it was a big weekend for the canadian women the fed cup they were in switzerland to play the swiss team and the team heidi Altebach, the captain she got her best team she got the number one (laughs) player bianca she got number two player Layla fernandez she got the number three player bouchard and then she got the double specialist Dabrowski. So on paper, this is it as good as great. it gets. Unfortunately, neither Andrescu or Bouchard were even able to play. So now you're forced to put the double specialist in singles. And uh, saw how that worked out. You know, Dabrowski has done good things in singles before, but she talked about how she didn't practice at all for singles, even in the off season or anything. She doesn't play singles regularly, and so she was beat pretty handily in both of her matches. I'll, we'll start with Andrescu quickly. Just a tweet from Christopher Clary earlier today said that there's concern for her that her left knee injury has been slower to heal than expected. She hoped to return at the beginning of this year. Now she's out of the tournament in Dubai, which is a huge tournament next week and potentially the, the next week in Doha. She's got a thousand points to defend at Indian Wells. How concerning is this? I feel like we're having this conversation a lot, but every time is it more concerning now that she's out longer or is it just you got to get healthy. What are you going to do? This was part of our, our look ahead. Um, in one of our first shows, we talked about the injury concerns with her longevity. Um, I think at the time she, you know, she was dealing with the shoulder, and now it's the knee. I'm with her style of play. If it's a, uh, well, not if it's a, it's a knee injury, I'm very concerned about that. She, you know, disguised it well and talked like a, a good game, like she was going to show up on the weekend and be able to play. They were just being cautious, but the news that came out today should cause people a lot of concern for not just the f- next couple tournaments, but for her whole 2020 season. I think so too. I think there is a lot of concern. And th- the thing that's so interesting about her is when she played last year, even when she was winning, she basically took medical timeouts every single match and she looked to be in such pain, like from the get-go of every tournament she played, of every match. So I wonder, um, the French Open, playing on clay should be better for her Mm -hmm. knee than playing on hard courts, same Mm -hmm. with grass, so maybe you take the hard court season off. But at some point you're going to have to play, so 
it's really too bad after what happened last year. I'm sure she's really disappointed. And I'm, you know, the fact that she's not playing suggests that it's pretty serious because I'm, you know, she wants to be out there. And she said it was tough to watch the Australian Open knowing that she just won the last one and she probably feels like she could win this one right now and unable to play. So it's probably pretty serious. Yeah, you want to take that momentum that you've built up um, from the last season and bring it carried over into this season. She's also very well spoken and very marketable, um, you know, Instagramming or tweeting with J Drake and stuff like that. So I, I think her being out of the, the spotlight, um, you know, affects her marketability a little bit. But I, again, it's just unfortunate. We dealt on the men's side, we dealt with the injury bug with Milos for a number of years, and people just said hey, he's still growing and he's got to grow into his body and all that stuff. She's only 19. Maybe that's she's going through something similar, but it's it's unfortunate. And uh, the I think what a great story was Layla Annie Fernandez. I said when she was playing Lauren Davis at the Australian Open that that was going to be really tough for her. She lost that match, but she beats world number five Belinda Bencic. Like really out of nowhere, it's her first top 100 win. How significant is that for Canadian tennis? Seems like she might be the real deal. It seems like she might. I have to say, I, w I was surprised. The, the Benchich um, victory was, was huge and, and sort of came out of nowhere. You know, we were, I guess, all caught up in the Andrescu news and the Bouchard injury news, and little Layla just sort of came along and, you know, caught everybody by storm and and played a good match and won um i believe she's ranked now um 185th i don't know how many uh, spots she jumped up but that's really good for her yeah well unfortunately the fed cup doesn't give any points but so no ranking implications but i mean there's no doubt what an amazing experience that is to beat belinda Bencic in switzerland that is a big deal and that is a huge moment and it bodes well for canada's fed cup team and they're going to go to Serbia in April to play the Serbian women. You say they. Who's they? It's well, Layla's going, well, Layla's going she's to play healthy, the Serbs. Maybe that if you know Bianca and Jeannie aren't available, they can find a second singles player, whether that's Catherine Sibov or Francoise Abanda. Neither of them were available either this week. Or Carol Zhao. They're all injured. So... They're hopefully and in a couple just, yeah. of weeks. You, you talk about it like it's we're, we're growing top level tennis players on trees, and we can just well, go like if Bianca Andreescu and Leila Andy Fernandez are available. You have to imagine Canada is a pretty big favorite to beat Serbia. They have one top one hundred player that's Nina Stojanovic, so I think that's a pretty good draw for Canada as they work their way towards the Fed Cup Finals in twenty twenty one. That is, or twenty twenty two, I believe, is the next time, or twenty twenty one, they can make it. So. That's right, the next step. Right now, Layla's the only one we can count on. We're it's not still sure. uh, two months away, I may add. So oh, Bianca's hoping to be back for that's that. What we were saying about the Fed, uh, the Fed Cup, and Bianca would be ready and get some warm ups in, and and here she is saying she's you know doing interviews and saying she's just not ready yet. Okay, let's talk about the Canadian men for a moment. And Denis Shapovalov, he lost in the first round of the event in Rotterdam in the Netherlands to Grigor Dimitrov. We talked about the Australian Open loss. He also lost in Montpellier to Vashik Pospisil, a fellow Canadian who went on to make the finals. That's three straight losses. His form looked really good. What is there to say? Is it just another slump? Is he going to be a hot and cold player throughout his career? I don't know. Early on, it seems like it. You know, he looks like a world beater in one tournament, and then he shows up, you know, a week later, and you're like, oh, okay, that, that's it. That's all you got. 
it's uh, I guess dealing with young players that's something you have to go through but you wish that he would sort of get his focus and and try to be a dominant player every tournament this is what you do for a living you know youth can't be an excuse that much longer yeah and it it's just he was playing so well at the end of last year when he brought on Yuzni. He had a great stretch for the last two, three months of the year. He went to the ATP Cup. He looked really strong there, beating two top ten players in Tsitsipas and Zverev. And then for whatever reason, the nerves caught up with the Australian Open, and one loss can hurt your confidence. And finding that consistency is going to be a real challenge for him. It's a real challenge for Felix Ojeda-Yassim, who won his first match in Rotterdam today against Ian Leonard Struff, which is a really good win for Felix. He's really been struggling the last couple of months and now he plays Dimitrov so that's another tough one of course Dimitrov beating Shapovalov in the first round and one other Canadian Pospisil he's taking on the number one seed Daniel Medvedev tomorrow what a great week it was for him last week can he beat Medvedev is he ready to take that step I, he's he's surprised me. You are you're a big uh, I'm you know, a big proponent. I ev- think it's going to be a huge is year. I think he could be a top two Canadian by the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to you know tip my cap to him, and it wouldn't put it pa- I wouldn't put it past him to go on and be victorious. Um, he beat one of my favorite players, Gail Monfils. Well, he lost. Or he to sorry, Gail he lost to Gail Monfils. Yes, great he week for one of your favorite Montpellier. players. Um, yeah, so, but he was in there. The fact that he was in the final sort of shocked me. I was like, what? A great tournament. He had a great, he was done against Gofan in the semis. He broke back when Gofan was serving for exactly. it. Exactly. won the match, and he has good form. Another, he had a tough loss at the Australian Open, but rebounded from that quickly. He's like 22-6 and six in his last 28 matches, so he is really playing very strong, and I think he's going to have a big year. He's closing in on the top 100, and he's going to get there, I think, pretty soon, and... I think top fifty is reasonable for him. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that. Uh, I'm very impressed with how he's played the last little bit. Okay, Andrew. As I understand it, you have a new segment you want to introduce. Is yes. That right. Yes. This segment is called Ask Jonathan. And uh, I know nothing about it. So you don't know anything about this it. This is a surprise to you and me. And trust me, you will be able to answer the uh, inquiring questions from our many listeners. All right, let's hear it. Uh, the first question comes from Grace from Forks of Salmon, California. Mm-hmm. Grace wants to know what's the difference between ATP 250, ATP 500, and ATP 1000 events. Well, Grace, that is a really a question I get all the time. People don't understand, but it's very simple. It's the amount of ranking points that a player gets for winning said tournament in singles. So if you win a 250 event, as Gael Monfils did in Montpellier last week, you earned 250 ranking points. And the more ranking points you have, the better your ranking is and the more prestigious tournaments you can enter. Hope that answers your question, Grace. Oh, thank you. I'm sure Grace is... Better informed than when she started listening. Um, our second question comes from Fabio from Poo, Spain. Great beaches, apparently. Um, Fabio wants to know, five. there are five former champs at Indian Wells. Serena has two. Azarenka has two titles. Naomi Osaka, Halep, and Andrescu. Well, she's not there. Who has the best chance? Well, she is expecting to play Indian well, so hopefully she will be there. Victoria Azarenka is probably a bigger question mark. Who has so Fabio wants to know who has the best chance at winning 
at Indian Wells. So we got Serena, Azarenka, Andrescu, Halep, you said? Halep, uh, Coco Golf, Coco Golf, Bar- Barty's These also are not in the tournament. Champions. Well, no, but I'm saying they're also in the tournament. I thought you were just. So are you asking off. who the, fi- of the five? Not, favorite, I'm not sorry, asking. Is- Fabio is asking <laughs> yes. of the five former champs who has the so best. Who, chance? The five former champs. Can you repeat them? Serena with two titles. Yes. Azarenka with two titles. Yes. Osaka, Halep, and Bianca Andreescu. Okay. Well. I will say that Naomi Osaka has the best chance. I think she's going to come into this refreshed after the Australian Open. The pressure is off, and I think she's going to play well. Serena, she, of course, boycotted this tournament for about 15 years. She hasn't won it since 2001. I don't think it's a tournament that she is going to be... She just hasn't had success there. She hasn't won it in nearly 20 years. She hasn't played it very often. We'll see if she even plays. She played the Fed Cup this weekend and lost to Anastasia Sevastova, which is another kind of weird loss for her. The U.S. ended up winning that tie, but not a great sign there. Uh, Halep always has a chance. Uh, Azarenka, probably not. We'll see if she even plays. And uh, Bianca, if she's playing, I'll say she has a chance. But I will say Osaka, of those five players, has the best chance. And I'll say Osaka, out of all the players, I think she is going to surprise some people at Indian Wells. Do we have time for one more question? We have time for one more question, Andrew. Okay, Arthur from Embarrass, Minnesota. Arthur must be on top of his tennis because this is a timely question. Can Eugenie Bouchard and Bianca Andreescu stay healthy this season? Well, Arthur, I'm not a doctor, so I can't answer that question. But you play one on TV. I do on the podcast, so I'll say yes, they can stay healthy. These both players, just like most players in the world, they want to play. And they're going to do what it takes to get out there. And definitely, we've already seen that Bianca can't really stay healthy this year. But if she can play a couple tournaments, then we've seen she can win them without much form. So she can have a successful 2020 without playing much. We saw that last year. As for Bouchard, she typically has some health problems, but she does play most weeks. Her ranking is really going to be in trouble. She's going to be outside the top 300 in a couple weeks. So she's going to have to rely on wild cards to enter tournaments. She got a wild card into Thailand this week, but she wasn't able to play due to her wrist injury. So if she can keep getting wild cards, then she can keep playing. But I think for her, it's going to be more about how are you going to play tournaments and what tournaments are you going to play as opposed to being healthy because her ranking is going to make it very difficult to even play small tournaments at this point. She needs all the help she can get. She does. Okay, and let's finish off with one final segment, Andrew. It's a player that you might not have heard of. I don't know if he's the best player, but I want to highlight him. It's Yuri Rodionov, who had a tremendous week. He's from Austria. He's just 20 years old, okay? Left-hander, and he has a game style where he can slice and dice, but he also has a lot of power that comes out of nowhere. And he won one of the biggest challenges of the year in Dallas this past week. He got two top 100 wins. He beat Andrea Seppi and Dominic Kuepfer, and then he beat Dennis Kudla in the finals. So he only dropped one set the whole tournament. And that moved his ranking up from 362 to 232. So winning a challenger for these young players can really make a huge difference. And that is someone I am going to be looking at. My two previous ones, Russovori and Cacchioretto, have not played well since I said they're the best player you've never heard of. So I'm just going to say he's a player that you have not heard of who is playing well. And we'll see if he can keep it going. Keep an eye on. I will keep an eye on that. All right, Andrew, anything else that you want to say before we got to wrap this up? 
No, I, I'm looking forward to Coco Goff's 2020 season. She's doing really well so far. I'm also hoping Serena can come through and win a Grand Slam and make me happy. But other than that, I'm just looking forward to good tennis. All right. Thank you very much for Jonathan Strom and Andrew Stewart. We'll talk to you next time on 40 Love.